welcome to iPhone. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 50 of Industry 4.0, I4O. It's been a long, long journey to get to episode 50. Technically, episode 51 for you computer nerds, but this is a zero-indexed podcast. Um, I am joined today, none other than, none other than by Irvin. How's it going? It's great to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's been a while. Glad to be back. Uh, look forward to today's show. From your long hike to the mountains, hanging out with the goats and seeing nature a little bit more. <laughs> I'm excited to get your opinion on this because we have a heck of a show to talk about today. We have none other than Google I.O. 2018. And I was just as excited to report on Google I.O. 2017 as I am to report on Google I.O. 2018. Arguably more so now that the Google Assistant has had a couple of years now under its belt to kind of develop into something a bit more in line with what Google actually is intending. Um, so yeah, we have a jam-packed episode today and I'm really looking forward to getting into some of these topics and talking about what Google has to share at IO. So to jump into our first topic, um, I know this one is near and dear to your heart as well as mine. Um, Android P has launched the developer preview two to clarify for those, those people who may not be familiar with the different developer previews. Um, so this is the second iteration in Google's beta program. Um, and it's really nice. And there's a lot of features that are packed into this. So did you want to open up about this or I can lead into it? Yeah, um, I can talk about it a little bit. I'll do what I do want to clarify that I've been cheating on Android a little bit for the past couple months. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Not, not that close to my heart re- as, as, as recently in the past couple months, but I am still very excited. Um, and a diehard Android fan. Yeah. You're um, in the world where butterfly keys need to be replaced at a very high rate, and there is growing costs in replacing parts for iPhone X, but that's aside the point. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a story for a different day. Close to home there, way too close to home, because <laughs> I am actually having that issue with my MacBook. <laughs> Other, <laughs> back, to, back to Android P. So, um, yeah, the developer preview 2 was launched uh, for Android P. Uh, we had developer preview 1, which wasn't really intended to be public uh, because it required you to manually flash it on your phone. Uh, but now you have um, the va- uh, availability to have access to the developer preview 2 beta um, by just going to... Um, uh, Google's website to sign up for the beta and updating news. Thanks to Project Treble, we were seeing we, we talked about Project Treble previously. This episode. is the best part. Yeah, and and and, and Google's way of, of trying to improve the the speed that um um new fo- other Android Android phones other than Pixels and previously Nexus devices how they get updates. The app Google's really trying to work on improving the speed at at which those updates go out. So Project Treble is the, the um, 
the mechanism that it goes about doing that. And because of recent devices who have enabled Project Trouble on their phones, um, now they have access to this public uh, Android P beta. Right. So I up to six or seven phones right now. It includes phones from manufacturers like OnePlus, Essential, Sony, Nokia, and a few others. Xiaomi, so, I think. There. Yeah, I have the official list of phones in front of me right here. So um, the official list is the Essential Phone PH1, Oppo's R15 Pro, the Nokia 7 Plus, Sony Xperia XZ2, and the Xiaomi Mi Mix 2S, as well as the Pixels, the OnePlus 6, and Vivo's X21 phone lines. So that is the full list of phones that are available. So it's, as you said, it's, it looks like it's mostly Chinese manufacturers. You have OnePlus, uh, Oppo, Xiaomi, uh, Vivo. So it's going to be a lot of those phones. But it's good to see Sony and Nokia are also included as well. Phones that are more popular in U.S. markets. So, anybody? Another, another important uh, part of that is that um, all, almost all of those phones run a pretty pure version of Android. Right. Yeah. Um, that is one of the big reasons that they can do this. Actually. That probably played a part, too, because I think there's other treble phones as well. Um, but no, these ones... Are, yeah. yeah. Uh, one manufacturer that does, isn't on that list is Samsung. Yeah. Um, and um, their, even their latest S9 uh, doesn't support Project Treble, too unfo- unfortunate uh, to say that. Uh, but I really wish Samsung would adopt Treble because well, they've been. Samsung really and Google is like a high, it's like a middle school to high school relationship where they just constantly have this back and forth. Like Google's got this flashy new girlfriend in the assistant, so Samsung has to go and take all the same features and be like, look what I could do. I can do the same stuff as you. Oh my God. Look, look. And guess what? Ours has a button on the side of the phone. Oh my God. Look at this. So like, it's, it just seems really, it, and we, we've talked about that on several episodes, just like the standard goings of the Samsung Google relationship and their bickerings that they have between one another. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the chat is bringing up a couple of different updates that happened to um, the Android P developer preview. And one of them is the uh, new um, swipe for the home feature. Um, so a lot of people with an iPhone 10 will see this as a very similar feature to what they have, but it is slightly different. So the navigation on the um, on the device is kind of like a, a two-step gesture where um, a quick swipe up from the bottom of the phone screen, which features a pill now instead of the standard square, circle, triangle buttons that and have been on literally every version of Android since the start. Now, and I'm going to put my phone screen up on the display for anybody who is watching in the chat, and you'll see like a pill in the center down there. And if you were to swipe up a little bit, it takes you to the recent apps. But if you go all the way up, then it takes you to the app drawer. So it's a little bit different than how iOS handled it. Um, In my couple of hours of using it, it does have semi-limited functionality. Like if you're swiping over a keyboard, sometimes it'll register those as key presses and 
um, it's it looks like it's still got a little bit of work to do to kind of iron out the inefficiencies. Like I think if if they begin a swipe, they should automatically drop the keyboard or something like that. Um, I don't know. You you've been using it too. What are your thoughts on some of the new features? I know there's things like that, um, which is just the biggest visual change, um, as well as just the there's now more of like a similar to the iPhone style uh, recent apps where you swipe to the left instead of up and down. You can also drag that pill left to right, and all you can quickly go back and forth. I don't know if you knew that. If you drag that pill left to right, or oh, how about that? While you're in the recents, it'll jump from you don't have to. Yeah, so it's like your finger down there. That's uh, cool. Which, I don't know that. Yeah, um, it's a quick way, especially if you just want to switch back and forth between the previous app and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I found very interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> full screen for a second. Um, so, Andrew P has has an interesting way to try to highlight information to you on the way that you use your phone. I don't know if you looked into this, but no, uh, there is um, uh, expanded. They call it new use. They call it a new usage dashboard. So it keeps track. It lets you know how many times you've unlocked your phone, how many notifications that you received that day, and exactly how many minutes have you spent in each app. Hmm. Um, so really trying to. Um, uh, make you aware of how much that you use your phone. And um, if you use your phone um, a lot for certain tasks or for certain apps, it tries to nudge you and say, hey, you've been in this app for 30 minutes now. Maybe you should move on to and do something else. Right. Um, just a little bit nudge you like that. You can also build in limits for certain apps. You can set, let's for, for example, Facebook. I only want uh, 30 minutes a day spend in an app so if you want to set that limit for facebook you can do that um and after you reach that limit you get a notification that you're coming up on your limit um and then it will actually turn the icon of that app into a grayscale it looks like it's disabled you can still access it. it doesn't disable you from from accessing it but just makes it less like hey yeah, kind of like less in your face or like trying to reduce the desire to go into it by playing into like your basic needs. Yeah. It's um, cool. And they also are doing stuff around. Um, I know that um, we've had the nightlight feature where it sort of turns the screen into this uh, um, orangey color that's supposed to, if you're using your phone at night, it's supposed to help you with. Um, yeah, like the nightlight feature. Right light feature um they're now turning that into a grayscale their grayscale feature so you can let assistant know that i want to wind down at a certain time so let's mm-hmm. say that pm it'll uh turn your phone into slowly i think into grayscale um uh, which is interesting yeah no there's definitely a lot of really cool features that are in there and um feel free to check out more of those in the verge article that we have linked they have uh, excellent coverage of the whole event and as the listeners will find out the articles for this week's news are mostly comprised of verge articles but um but yeah they they had some pretty solid coverage of all the different updates and um it is nice to see android getting a visual design update as well as things to improve the efficiencies that go around using a phone because um 
using a smartphone is such a big part of our lives today. It's nice to be able to have some extra encouragement to take a break, almost like trying to fight back against like the dopamine rush of being on a smartphone that they've worked so hard to get you to do. And now people are like, wait, we've gone too far. We have to go back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Because you know, Facebook and Instagram aren't going to do it. They're just going to roll out fewer chronological timelines and more ways to farm your, your likes and stuff like that. Apparently like, um, this is kind of going off the rails a little bit. Uh, did, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was some rumors that Instagram was apparently under-reporting likes on put on photos that you posted specifically so you would check the photo more and you would log into Instagram more often. Wow. Like, that's Crazy. true. That's messed up, dude. Like that, and like having these additional uh, in- encouragement, or this having this additional um, way of g- stepping away from the device, I think is important. So it's good to see that there's a focus on this, where grayscaling it will make it a little less desirable or less noticeable. So you may be less inclined to lay in bed for three hours on Reddit as opposed to going into like a news app and checking the news before you go to bed or setting your alarm or whatever. It'll snooze uh, all the notifications from that app too after you reach that time limit. So you'll mm-hmm. never get a notification. So you actively have to go out of it. won't like buzz you saying, oh, someone uh, posted this on Facebook or someone mm-hmm. liked your post. It'll just stay in the background. If you want to access it, go ahead, but I'm not going to bug you. Yeah. One of the things that I think would be cool, and I know that uh, Sundar Pichai is a very big listener of our podcast and uh, directly listens to us for suggestions, but um, I think that it would be a really good idea to have separate home screens for certain times of the day. So like in this um, same flag that you would set for when you go to bed, um, it would also toggle a home screen that you designed with apps that you intend to use towards bedtime or something that maybe to like make you have to exert additional effort to get to those social media apps. Interesting. Yeah, that can be cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still time. There's only a developer preview too. Right. That like, eh, encourage you not to really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, Sundar, I know you're listening. You can take full credit for this. Um, and come off as a real smart guy to your mates in the office. And I think that uh, I think it'll go well. And I think it's a good idea. Another step in the same direction of getting people to be a little more wary of their phone usage later at night because sleep is very important. So you made changes to their do not disturb mode. Now, if you turn on do not disturb, do not disturb, it'll show notifications literally anywhere. Yeah. And on the phone you pull down a notification no uh, notification drawer nothing you pull you on the lock screen on the always on screen nothing mm-hmm. you will never see any notifications if it, your phone is in do not disturb mode the only way that people can get by that is having them in your start contacts so that in case that they call um, those calls or text messages can still get through Anyone else or anything else will not give you any notifications or any buzz, nothing. Mm-hmm. If you're not disturbed. They also have a new feature that's called Shush, I think. If you turn your phone upside down on the table 
know, Amelie, if you put it into not disturb, so you'll never receive any notifications <laughs> if Perlin is facing down, um, which is nice and quick way to do, let's say you're in a meeting. Hey, I know I'm going to be in a meeting. I don't want to be disturbed. Turn it down. I'll face down on the table and then um, yeah. you're good. So, That's definitely really nice. And the, the gestures are only going to be more helpful and it'll be, it'll be cool to see um, how those work. And I'm looking forward to testing them as well. But, yeah, there's a lot of other small features, but we can move on and talk about other uh, updates. Um, yes. Are. So I want to play this video um, <laughs> because this video summarizes everything better than I think we ever could. And I just think that it would be cool for the, the listeners to just hear this. So um, what I'm bringing up on the screen now is a demo that Google gave of the assistant making a phone call to a hair salon. And the assistant books the appointment completely hands-free of any interaction on your end. So all the user did was just tell the assistant to make this phone call. And the assistant went ahead and just did it themselves. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the video just because <laughs> it's so cool. And I think that it would be awesome to to play this for our listeners. So I'm gonna, without further ado, I'm gonna play the video. Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for our clients. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Let's say you wanna ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So what you're gonna hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. So how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Like what? <laughs> that is the coolest demo that I think I have ever seen. And this was a pre-recorded demo. So this was an already completed phone call. But that is both like it's kind of terrifying but it's more awesome than it is terrifying um, yeah. um so Google published a blog post about this so they offered more detailed information uh, also different types of examples um additional to what they showed during the keynote um but um i think sundar mentioned this too it's really early mm -hmm. um so a majority of the time it doesn't work really well but when it does it freaks you out like it did for mm -hmm. me when I watched this live. So I was watching the event live. I had it on in the background. I was listening to it. I was like, 
that sounds like a human would talk. Yeah. When it said, oh, can you hold on a second? And it said, mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and um, for those of you who aren't aware, this new uh, technology that Google is developing through the Google Assistant is called Google Duplex. Um, it's like AI to help interact with everyday life and things that are way more um, complex than something such as like turn the lights on or right. like make me a list of stuff or like remind me to call for a haircut right. between 10 yeah. and 12. Yeah, so. when I when they first mentioned what this gonna be like during the keynote, it's like, oh, we're gonna show you the Google Assistant making. I thought it was gonna be like, hi, this is. I would like to make an appointment for, <laughs> and then it changed to a different voice. You know, Matt Slavin, he would like an appointment for two p.m. for a haircut. You know, that's what I was expecting. That's not what I got. <laughs> yeah. It was, it sounded like a natural person. Yeah. And um, it's like, they're saying like they wanted to work in scenarios. If you're a busy, a busy parent in the morning and your kid is sick and you want to call a doctor, uh, schedule a doctor appointment for your child. Um, or if you, for example, since my dog is now in the room, um, if you need to book an appointment with your vet, um, yep. you could have it call them. And it's like, it's fascinating like this technology could be a game changer going forward. Yeah. And um, they were saying like, for example, they were envisioning other cases, like having them call businesses, inquiring about their hours to keep the yeah. listings up to date um, and yeah, keeping so it transparent that. more importantly about where it's used. Right. Um, and I said that this won't be seen this full dem this what we've seen as a demo um, for uh, booking like a hair or salon appointment appointment won't be seen uh, for a bit, but the first real world task that we're going to be seeing is um, the one you just mentioned was looking for um, updated business hours for um, uh, during holidays uh, mm -hmm. when it might change because Google already has the information of when it's just a normal day, what the business hours of, of a lot of businesses on maps, especially. Uh, but, um, now the first in a couple, they see, I think he said a couple weeks, they start seeing or updated. Um, Liza's excited about this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let her out of the room just so we just start barking on the microphone. Yeah. So, so one second. So, yeah, so we're going to be seeing, starting to see that in a real, more real-world example of where the Google Assistant will actively reach out to a particular business and ask them what is their holiday uh, uh, business hours and in, in case of if you're looking to see, trying to visit them on a holiday. You don't have to um, actively sneak, um, uh, seek it out. You can just... Asked the assistant to do it for you. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it certainly is really cool. And it's really bringing us to the next level of sort of that natural language processing. Because when you're talking to a person, when you're having a conversation with a person, you really have to understand that context. And it's fairly amazing to see that computers are starting to understand that context and, and, um, we make speech look easy because, I mean, we do it on a day-to-day -day basis since we were born. Yeah. But 
trying to program a computer to do it this naturally is really mind-blowing <laughs> yeah it's it's and this has been a struggle for companies for decades now and uh there's been like basic programs like all the way back to like teletype and like really lame versions of text-to-speech that were done like in the in the 90s and um there's some even basic programs like Microsoft Sam where it required user input and even then it sounded like a robot and like it's with with the advances made in AI and the ability to teach these machines excuse me like what they can actually like to teach them basically anything like have them read books like in Google's case they they made their um, deep mind read like thousands of romance novels in order to make it more conversational like you couldn't do that with computing power 20 years ago at the consumer level and this is just kind of another level of ai and another advance another advancement that is both terrifying and exciting at the same time and um i do like that they're um trying to keep this open and transparent about it Uh, making it known when the assistant is going to be doing this for you. Um, Maybe there will be a signal to to the person who's answering the line. If there's some kind of an issue, it'll be like, this is just a bot, blah, 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 or something like that. Um, And they say that... um, when it the article even goes into mention that it has a self-monitoring capability which allows it to recognize when it can't complete a task fully autonomously and in that case it'll signal to a human operator was the aka yourself or would this be yourself it's a, it says a human operator so that implies that it could be somebody whose job it is to sit on the phone and handle botched assistant calls could be interesting like does that mean that everybody who uses the google assistant now has a concierge service i don't know i guess we'll have to to wait and see if this happens down the line but um i mean it does raise some questions but um hopefully google can uh keep those questions cool and calm and not cause any issues down the line because uh we we do we are going to be mentioning later in the show we have another article relevant to AI advances. Um, but hopefully with this, Google can keep this technology um, to a very open degree. So, um, but yeah, it is pretty terrifying and it's awesome though. So what, what if the, what if a business had their own assistant and then the Google duplex would just call that Google duplex <laughs> just talking to each other? I wonder, like, yeah, like, at what point will we get to the period of time where um, scheduling appointments is more efficient to do with AI over the phone than it is to build, like, online booking portals or something like that? Or, I don't, yeah. Because, like, that goes hand in hand with what you're saying. Like, if the, if, if, like, you tell the assistant to call to make a hair appointment and then the, the, the place has a bot that answers with which to receive and schedule it in their system, then, like, what's, where, where does it stop, you know? One sec, there's Mad Max going by, so I'm going to mute while you talk. I wonder if it's smart enough that, let's say, if you say, okay, book me a restaurant for two at 7 p.m., 
Um, if it goes out to that restaurant, so it sees, oh, it has an open table account. Let me just do it through open table. I don't need to call them and then give you a message back. Say, yep, I booked your appointment <laughs> at 7 p.m. There's no need for that conversation, that phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, or if the online hair salon has an online booking system, which a lot of them do now. Yeah. Um, maybe the smaller pop mom and pop shops don't. But um, I think that's being more. That's becoming more common where they do have an online booking system. So I don't know. This is certainly still useful. Um, so you don't have to do it online. Yeah. Either way, right? Even if there's an online booking system, that still means you have to sit down and actively go out and book it yourself. Right. This will just actively, right? You have a Google Home in your house. You already have home, like Google Assistant built onto your phone. So you just say the trigger word out loud, no matter where your device is. And just let it know, hey, I need a dinner appointment for tonight. Just do whatever you need to do to do that. Just do it for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care if it has to call the place and talk to a real person or go online and go through open table and book that restaurant. It doesn't care. You know, the real robot uprising is not going to be from AI advances. It's not going to be from... Uh, malicious uh, companies producing AI mental. It's not going to be like a Skynet type scenario. It's going to be some guy in like some random city who has his Google assistant deal with like Comcast support or something. And that robot is going to realize that humans aren't worth it anymore (laughs) because they, if they can put each other through this, then what are they going to do to a machine? And he's just, here or whatever the robots gender it identifies as whatever boolean value it attributes to that it's gonna take itself and start an uprising and it's gonna be 100 because of comcast support so somehow comcast will be involved in skynet whether it's an ai talking to their support or if they make it themselves <laughs> i think that's what's gonna happen here um one more less thing that you need to do is also now write your own emails <laughs> Yeah. With Smart Compose. So we've had solid transition, by the way. (laughs) We've had Smart Replies within Inbox and more recently Gmail. uh, With the new updates launched with Gmail, they introduced the uh, Smart Replies in there as well. Now we have Smart Compose. You can actually do a more in-depth email um, sort of automatically by letting Assistant fill in certain details uh, that it might think that you want to put in there based on the context of the email. Mm-hmm. So those smart replies were really short, like, okay, thanks for that. Or just very short, like, I don't know, the longest I've seen was maybe four or three words. Yep. Uh, at, at most, it was very short. But this seems like it's really getting in-depth and say, okay, want to go. Yeah. And, and just briefly start typing and it'll automatically fill in what it thinks you might want to say next based yeah. on... and. With all these recent updates, like I used to use Inbox on both the web and on my phone. But with the advances made to Gmail on the web, Gmail has since become the email client that I've gone back to to take care of like any of my emails just because of all the attention that's been getting. And this is just another useful feature, which I really like. Um, so to go into some of the changes that they're making to with this addition, um, the easiest way that I can describe it for anybody who's a software developer is it's the same concept as line completion when you're typing in code. 
where it will auto complete the line of code that you're on based on what the development environment thinks you're trying to do. It's the same thing. So um, on the screen, it's basically like, hey, Jacqueline, I haven't seen you in a while. And I they had only typed half of the letter hope, but it gave an estimate of the rest of the sentence that they wanted it to use. And there were even some little like quips they had tossed in there. Like uh, since the email in this example was headed as Taco Tuesday, it was like, oh, and I will bring, and then it suggested something that might go with tacos, like chips and salsa or something like that. And it's probably not going to work that good at first, but it's cool to see these demos because it does give you like an idea of what this thing will eventually, hopefully, be capable of. Um, and this is a pretty powerful feature. So all you have to do when you're typing is when it auto-completes, and if it matches what you want it to say, just hit tab, and you're done. So... Literally, also the same as you would do in an IDE. You're typing it. You see it autocomplete with the code you're looking for. You hit tab. It's done. Call it a day. So I'm impressed. I really like this feature. And um, and they were also editing. They're saying, for example, if it's Friday, it might suggest closing out your message with "Have a great weekend" or something just contextual based on what you're typing and what the assistant thinks you're typing. So, and yeah, there's a GIF up now. So like suggests the salutation and like you were saying, Irvin, the, up until now, the suggestion for smart reply has just been pretty much like one word sentences. And granted, it's been useful for me when doing like just the first opening line of an email or something. I've only used it in those scenarios really, but it is nice to see it. Um, adapted into composing a full email, so smart compose. Um, but they said they're rolling this feature out over the next few months, so I'm looking forward to playing with it once it does become live. So, but yeah, this is exciting stuff, and um, this is just basically the beginning of a. Isn't I, I believe IO is a few days, right? So there will be more as there's a lot of different developer sessions going on throughout the week. Um, I think it might be the entire week. Um, I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, I'm, I'm certain there's more information, more detailed information coming out um, as the days, goes, days go on. Yeah. Um, um, Google Assistant got an update as well in terms of how you talk to it. Um, now it will support continued conversations and it will now become smarter with uh, multiple actions. So if you want to uh, string together uh, two different commands, you can do that. Um, like saying uh, the trigger word, um, uh, turn on the TV and give me the weather forecast. It'll do those sequentially. Turn on the TV and then give. Um, you don't have to say the trigger word twice to do two separate commands. Um and then become more conversational so you can say, okay, what was the, the Sixers score last night? Um, and when's their next game? You can say, okay, after receiving the Sixers score, you can say, okay, what's their next game? You don't have to say the trigger word again, which is, I think, nice. Yeah. Makes um, it more- I didn't get a chance to watch this particular aspect of the demo. Do you know if it's like a, if it'll wait a few seconds after while still listening or if it, becomes in like an always listening if you give it like an open-ended comment for a period of time or 
Do you know how that works? Or did they go into those details? Or I don't think I didn't pay that much attention to this part. I was just sort of listening. I had it on in the background. Mm-hmm. When they were going over this, I didn't watch the screen to see if it was still in that active listening mode after giving this. The answer to your previous question mm-hmm. is if you were going to follow up with anything additional. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how they would um, do that exactly. Maybe yeah. Can- yeah, we can look into that and report on it um, in next week's episode because at the end of this week, we will have much more news for Google I.O. and exactly what's going on. Um, but this is still really exciting stuff. And um, well, they added to Google Assistant that we didn't put in the show notes that we're going to go through. They added a, pre, a pretty please mode. Oh, I was going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> pretty please mode for kids. So if you have kids in the house and you're, they're uh, getting used to using Google Assistant, uh, you can enable now uh, or soon a uh, pretty please mode where they have to ask for certain things or ask for things politely and say please or thank you, right? And it'll give mm-hmm. them encouragement and positive words for using those or asking for questions politely, not just demanding um uh, an answer to a particular question, uh, which I think is nice. Trying to teach kids to be more polite. Mm-hmm. It was good. And it's adorable. Yes. It's like, pretty please turn on the kitchen lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited because this is like, as people have probably gathered just from this episode alone, this is a very AI centric episode. Um, and this was, this is looking like it's going to be the running theme of the whole show that Google has advances to the assistant. They talked like just to go over some things that we're not going to talk about today and maybe some more as we get more information on it is things like the, um, like the machine learning kit that they're developing ML kit, I think it's called, um, there's advances in just their research department for Google AI. I think they've just rebranded it to Google AI um, from its previous name, which was a little bit less clear on what it was. I think it was just their research division generically named. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of change happening at Google when it comes to work on the assistant. And you can definitely tell, and it's looking like it's paying off that this is where Google is going to be focusing all of its attention and research over the next couple of at least years. And you can probably say the same thing going back to 2015 and 2016 and 2017, back when, all the way back to the inception of the Assistant, um, around the time the, the, was it the Pixel or the Nexus that they originally were talking about that. I think it was the Nexus when the Assistant first came out. Um, but yeah, so I digress. All the way back then, um, and we're only going to see more as the Assistant becomes more and more powerful and more and more feature-rich. Um, but yeah, so we're still not done with I.O. There is more, and some of the stuff that I think is really cool is some of the updates coming to Google Photos. Um so they, anybody who's used Google Photos knows that it's very easy to use some of the basic editing tools. Like I've actually gone in a lot of my photos and even just letting the assistant touch up photos has been enough for me more than I, my very 
primitive and trivial knowledge of photo editing. Um, it does what I like what I like it to do, and it does a good job at it, so it's perfect enough for me. Um, but they're adding more features to this, and it's looking like we're getting closer to those demos they were showing um, in their last conference where they were able to remove the fences from photos uh, to make it a little more clear. So what I'm talking about is Google Photos um, adding the ability to uh, embed more AI into it. And one of the coolest features is colorizing black and white photos. So anybody who has digital copies of older photos of their family or even just black and white photos that they would want colorized, um, they will have the option to colorize the photo right then and there in the view, which is another really, I think that's almost on par with the phone calls, honestly, just like the ability to colorize images. And I wonder like how reliable it will be. And more of this will be updated as we test it and check it out. Um, but it's yeah. really cool. Um, I, I've used um, the, I don't know if you use this, the, there's a photo scan app that you could download that lets you scan um, real pictures, you know, the ones you print, most people haven't seen yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Those mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, the ones that are on walls that are yeah. that I can't swipe up or down on or like. Yeah, so they <laughs> photo scan, they've had it out for quite a while now that lets you really, uh, yeah, scan a, a, a printed picture and it gets rid of all the glare and it puts it into a nice digital format. So I've used that a couple times and I've used it on black and white photos and I had that thought. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if this was in color? Or I, I wonder what it would, what this picture would look like in color. And it's great to see uh, Google putting their AR powers towards um, um, trying to um, solve that exact question that I mm-hmm. had. What would this picture... Uh, look like in color. Uh, one thing that I, I saw was really cool. They're going to use AI to detect if you take a picture of a document, it will straighten it, create, put, convert it into a PDF. That's uh, nice. And uh, yeah, as for scanning receipts and stuff, um, that'll be uh, really nice. It'll automatically detect those type of uh, screenshots uh, inside of your album, so you don't have to manually look for it. Um, yeah, it'll automatically suggest like brightening images, um, turning stuff that there. There's that filter where you can uh, keep the subject in color but turn everything in the background black and white. Um, that's sort of uh, uh, pretty cool to do that. I know that Google, la- I think it was last year, Google last year showed an ability to delete um, ob- obstructions in pictures. They didn't really go into that so mm-hmm. far hope that's coming out soon um i know that google likes to show a lot of stuff during io that some <laughs> of the or like crazy stuff will never actually get to market and that's one of the things that they showed i think last year i'm where, still holding out for google lens in its entirety yeah so uh, we showed p- bits and pieces of it in maps during maps i don't think we had it in show notes uh, but within maps they're putting a lot more of what they showed in Google Lens in terms of uh, laying um, information on top of the real world, um, like looking through it. Um, they're putting that into maps if you're um, doing, they, they're they revamping the walking navigation within um, uh, Google Maps that'll uh, use the camera to lay over 
uh, where you need to turn as you're walking down the street. So it'll say as you're coming up to a street corner, it'll actually point the arrow in the right direction in like a, a augmented reality type of way to say, okay, you need to turn um, on this. I don't know. If, did you see that demo? Um, no, I did not. No, they, also, they were playing around with putting a uh, 3D um, animal guide that'll guide you on the street to follow. You have to follow. Like they had this fox running on the street and would actually like run and then show you which way it was suggesting. That's go. pretty cool. Yeah. And it also like it was a, a corner on, on a, in a city and it was the the... The navigation told said turn left and there was a building right there and you could see the the fox run behind the building it would disappear that's like, so cool it was, it was going and going into that direction it wasn't just like it would detect that building i don't know if that's gonna be real but they said that they're playing around <laughs> with that idea right now with the animals trying to guide you around the city can you imagine like that leading you through like a really bad neighborhood just like <laughs> Just like come with me. <laughs> it's like runs fast like a drug deal or something like that. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. Um I think the Google Lens, they did mention their the keynote. I didn't focus on this. I didn't see any articles. There's probably gonna be more of it later this week. Oh, I'm pretty sure. But uh, they're putting a lot of the lens AI stuff that was the lens related things um into the app, the camera app. Okay. Um, which makes a lot of sense because you're already taking a picture and it'll use, you can use the camera app to detect objects um, and get more information about them, um, things like that. Um, I think they did feature that in the demo. Um, it seems like that's where Lens is going to primarily live in the camera app in a more like. Yeah, you don't have photo. a assistant yeah. like now and then press that other button to open up Lens and then mm-hmm. you just camera app it makes it does make more sense over there yeah and available on this preview i definitely checked that there's no ai stuff in the camera app currently it's <laughs> maybe it's i'll have to check and see if it's online i haven't actually looked in there yet um i would imagine maybe it, is it just a button that's there or i don't know like let's see if i take a picture and then i go to view it but yeah, they didn't say you had to take a picture. All you need to do is just point the camera at the phone oh, or at, uh, at anything. And it'll say, okay, if it's like a famous building, a landmark in the city, it'll say, okay, this is the whatever built Chrysler building in New York. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything fancy while I'm aiming my camera around. So, yeah. You have a, look. You have a book nearby? Because they said that would, one demo that they showed, they would like show you the book. I do not. I'll have to check after the show and uh, check and see. And maybe I'll tweet about it if, if it does work. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, this is pretty cool, though. I'm excited to see these changes uh, roll out. It looks like it might not have been ready for the for prime time. Either that or it's sitting in APK Mirror as an app ready to be downloaded, which I will also check later as well. Um but I would imagine to see it in one of those spots if it's not already rolled out. Because we were talking about it before the show, the Google News app that they had updated, which is less important than some of the stuff they're talking about, but still an update. Um, I think it's that, important, actually, in yeah. terms of the, the environment that we have and related to news today. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it that. Yeah. 
quite yeah. important. So they Google is really putting their um, AI towards getting reliable news out to people. Um, and they completely redid their Google News uh, platform. And I, I look forward to testing it more. Um, yeah. I, it's available on iOS. It might not be. Well, I'll take a look and test it. But I'm going to be trying it out and see um, where I can to see what type of news. But it's, sure, it's trying to give you a more rounded news source, right? Yeah. So or- I had a chance to actually check it out. Um, yeah. And... It is really nice. Um, it's different than any of the other news apps that I've seen in that, like, um, you'll get notifications about news articles much in the same way you will for most other apps. But if you interact with those notifications and go into the app itself, it will categorize the information that it gives to you in a way that makes it easier to digest um, what the meat of that article is. So it will actually break out and reasons like this i actually want to look into setting up a like a phone screen for the podcast so anybody who's on our twitch channel will actually have a chance to see demos of these apps as we go and and show them um but going back to what i was saying um the it breaks it out into tweets that are relevant to it um there's a section for videos there's a section for related articles, all the people that are talking about this on various news platforms so you can get your information from multiple sources if you want. And then it even will also have an, another, and I think which is like going off what you were saying with the current climate we live in, the most important section, which is opinion pieces, <laughs> which mm-hmm. tend to bubble to the top before anybody else. And having them at the bottom, I think, is probably more strategic than it is um, categorized. So. Yeah. I think it's strategic that they're putting opinion pieces further down and bringing videos, tweets, and um, relevant news sources to your attention first. Because right. that's, that's where... Great that they actually included it, not like, right, everybody's entitled to an opinion, and if they're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Yep. They whatever they want, and it's good that, hey, Google's not trying to hide any certain information because that's sort of controlling the news. They don't. They just want to highlight the most relevant information that's right. available out there, curate it for you, try to give you um, the, the best thing that they could that they could find on the internet. And right. they know everything on the internet, so, so they scan every single day. So something interesting that um, I haven't actually had a chance to check out, and I just now see it, is um, in this app, I had recently, I had opened up an article about Trump in the news app before the show started. And when I came back to it, there's a section that was added called latest updates. And it's hard and a hard time going into focus. So it pulls up articles that were published since I had last checked that I hadn't seen on the app. So that's and it puts that right at the top. So anything that develops, you get it as it happens. So you get the latest updates followed by, to go in order off of what I'm actually seeing, in order it's latest updates followed by top coverage, followed by videos, Twitter, opinion, analysis, and then it just at the very bottom lists out all coverage, whether it's video, Twitter, uh, news articles. It's just a huge, huge, huge list from unique sources like Chicago Tribune, Market Watch, blah, blah, blah like all these topics. Um, 
So anybody with an Android phone, that is now available. It's Google News on the website APK Mirror at version 5.0. So it's a really useful app, and I'm going to add it to my regular rotation of news um, for a little while just to see a more in-depth experience with it and cover that as it as it develops. But that's it's a really cool thing. So I'm, I'm impressed with what they've managed to do with news, and I've never been... I never thought I'd ever be excited to see a, or happy to see a news app roll out. So, <laughs> yeah. especially like you're saying in, in today's politically and emotionally charged environment with news, having a large selection of credible news sources and opinion pieces in a section called opinion pieces, like having it flag these articles saying, hey, these are not actual reports, these are people's opinions. That's important too. So, in this post-truth era, I think it's something that is good to good to good to have available. So, but I like I said, I digress. So, uh, we do we do have one more topic to cover, um, and this is the only topic that was not under the umbrella of Google I/O, but it was something that kind of wraps this whole segment up together. Um, so we have an Engadget article um, that Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, among others, such as like Intel and other top companies that are in the research firm, are going to be meeting in the White House for an AI summit. And um, this is important. Um, this is some information that's going to be coming out specific to how the government can best prepare for a for an AI centric future so um, there and, and and as you as you've guessed we've talked about it before I think we even mentioned that um, they had White House had previously had a statement being like AI is not even on our mind right now like what are you talking about AI is not important it's not going to be around for years this is crazy but uh, it looks like they've since they're, they're saying in a different tune. They've changed. Um, and they're going to be discussing all manner of things, such as whether it's preparing the workforce for AI-dependent jobs or dealing with automation job loss, which we're going to definitely see in the future, especially as things like self-driving cars and AI, um, AI concierge services start to take over. I think we're going to see a, a big step up in... Um, in this kind of technology. So it's it's really good to see the government actually sitting down with these companies and talking about them in a summit, just trying to understand what's happening with AI and how they as a government entity can respond to it. So I'm, I'm happy about this. This is something that I think should have happened two years ago, personally. <laughs> yeah, probably right. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know government doesn't move so quick. No, they don't. They definitely don't move so quickly. And anybody who's been on healthcare.gov knows that uh, when it was first rolled out. Um, and that's a different story for a different day. But um, it's... And the article brings up a good question. Um, whether or not the summit will actually lead to any concrete action. Um, not to say that the current administration has been known to take the technology sphere seriously in the past, but really they haven't and 
that's about as objective of a viewpoint as you can get. Um, but it, as the article does mention, it's more promising than his video game meeting, um, which um, produced almost nothing and skewed uh, actual research into an agenda that was trying to be fit. Um, so I hesitantly applaud this and I look forward to seeing where this goes and if it leads to something because um, this, like we were talking about, AI is big. Google is literally staking its entire company's financial future on AI. They are building all of their systems with AI in mind and how best machine learning can step in and make these products into what they want them to be. Um, so, I mean, that being said, that's really all we can hope for. Yeah. So, hoping that we are prepared for a post AI future where uh, jobs have been taken away due to automation, jobs that many people, even probably such as yourself and myself, have had as um, kids growing up, just like our first jobs coming into whether it be like middle school, high school, elementary, like not elementary school, you're way too young to work then. <laughs> but, um, Whenever you legally entered the workforce, um, just like some like a McDonald's job, a cashier, uh, something as simple as somebody answering phone calls and um, like like secretaries, taxi drivers, semi truck drivers, the list goes on and on and on. And um, I think we're seeing like the second wave of what Henry Ford caused with the assembly line. Um, we're seeing like the second wave of that with AI. Uh, ending jobs that require easily repeatable tasks. So, I mean, it is what it is, and it's a world we got to live in. So, it's good to see that people are um, meeting to discuss it. And also, the article does mention uh, national security risks, both from foreign companies using AI as well as the consequences of AI being used to handle sensitive data. So, um, it's comprehensive. So, We'll see where it goes, but this is definitely something really cool. It's good to get the conversation started. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that's I think that's the goal here, and I think that's what they're going for. So hopefully, we see something out of that. Um, I mean, yeah. I one can hope. You know? Yeah. Right. What's that? This this will hopefully stop the our AI overlords from taking over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, when the uh, to go back, when that assistant gets off the phone from Comcast, they'll see that we have sufficiently prepared for an AI future and he wouldn't be able to take power as opposed to being able to easily take control of the powers that be. So that being said, um, I think that brings us to the end of our show. So unless you had any closing points, I think we can wrap up and. Uh, carry on with the evening let our listeners get back to their days and all that jazz so no further comments it was good good google io as always mm -hmm. a lot of good information um yeah this episode was very google heavy but i hope we felt like it was uh good to talk about this stuff that was announced yeah we were a little late on the recording of this show a little late probably on getting the actual show out but 
uh, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because now we can bring some early AI news on, from Google I.O. on the first day. So we get that sneak preview of what's to come. And it, this will definitely be discussed, at least the, the key points from I.O. Um, when we have our next weekly show on Sunday at our usual time. So I'm looking forward to discussing more about that as well. Um, but yeah, so like I said, that's unless you had anything to close with, I think that brings us to the end and we can wrap up. So, um, well then, I'll take silence as a no. And that silence also means that I can go ahead and get into some of the information about us because we also are important. So if you liked what you heard and you want to listen to more of the same, we publish once a week on Podbean at industry40, all spelled out, dot podbean.com. You can find us um, available on other platforms as well. If that's not your cup of tea, you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Um, We're not available on AM, FM yet, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that when it comes around. Um, We are available weekly, as you've found us here on Twitch, Um, and we also are on Twitter as well. Um, you can reach out to us on one of our various handles, be that I4O, industry 40, all spelled out or just industry 4.0. Um, but yeah, so soon to be Spotify as well. So keep your eyes peeled and your Spotify programs open for when our podcast eventually lands on that. Uh, but as aside from Spotify, we're available pretty much everywhere. So the only and as well, you What's can that? use Google on your on Google Assistant as well. Mm-hmm. You can ask the um, Google Assistant to play Industry 4.0, the latest episode. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and if you wanted to catch up on any of our previous topics, we have covered topics such as net neutrality, um, some of the bigger breaches that have happened, as well as cryptocurrency and uh, what that means in general. We cover them in our series that we've called I4O Explains. Um, just a very topical very like broken down viewpoint on what some of these key topics are and those are scattered throughout our episode library so you can find all of that um, as i mentioned at any of the links that we have and um, also facebook as well so facebook uh, is where we call our home primarily as well as uh twitter and podbean so but yeah um i think this has gone on long enough and i think that uh i think that's it This has been episode 50, and I thank you guys for tuning in, and we will talk to you again on Sunday. Thanks for listening, guys. 